Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Kids in the church, it's a good thing. Say, yeah, but they stress me out and drive me crazy sometimes. It's okay, you used to do the same thing to your parents before you grew up. God, they were they were graceful with you or disciplined with you, however it worked out. I'm sure a little bit of both. We wouldn't be what we are today without our fathers and our mothers. But today I gotta focus on the fathers. Tell you what, I would one hundred percent always rather speak on Father's Day than I would Mother's Day. I understand what, the, what, it, what it is to be a father. I understand the struggle of being a father. But I think at, at the same time, it, it's super important to know that you as a father is such a critical role and it's so important to the life of your kids, the life of your family. And there is something spiritual also that is, uh, that is so important in, in the lives of your families in regards to fathers. So first and foremost, before I go any fur- further, I just want to honor all the fathers in the room. Would you please stand? Trey, you stand up. Just don't fumble the baby. Let's give him a hand clap. You know, I really, I really you know, was joking, but I'm serious. Like for a guy, it's just, it's just another day. Because we're, we're so intentional and so focused on what we do as leaders, what we do uh, as, as men and fathers. So before we start, I, I want to give you a biblical definition of being a father. Because I think we might say, well, I don't know what, what when you're talking about a father, if you just say the word father, there, there can be very, you know, there's a lot of different opinions. Good father, bad father, right father. Wrong father. You know, I had a father. I didn't have a father. I had a fatherly influence. I didn't have a fatherly influence. But I think that there's also spiritual fathers that, ha- that, that God orchestrates to adopt those who He has called them to father. So this is the biblical definition of a father. A father who is implored to bring their children up in the ways of the Lord, to discipline them and to encourage, comfort, and instruct them. So this is practical and spiritual. You know, it's not just a practical thing where you're just role modeling. You know, because we, when we, I think about when I, when my children are grown, do they want to see me as only a father that provides and takes care of the family and sees no spiritual focus? There's many, many hard workers in the world, but are there, but are there just as many spiritual leaders in the world? That, will, run, that will, will, will govern their family in a way that's biblical, that's correct? That will, they, will, they, will you discipline? Will you encourage? Will you comfort? Will you instruct? Because that's really by definition of what God's standard is in regards to a father of a Christian home. So this morning, if you're here, you're in a church. So we're going to make sure we are molding the perspective of a, of a father in the light of Scripture. What does Scripture say? What does Scripture encourage us to do? Now, I know sometimes it's easy to try to turn the other way and hope things just work themselves out. You ever tried that? Just kind of say, well, I hope it gets better. But sometimes God calls us to be proactive, to involve ourselves in the lives of our children. 
Sometimes it comes later. Sometimes it comes earlier in their life. And I think that scripture, fathers, this morning that says, don't grow weary in doing good, your kids can wear you out. So just as much as you're being practical, it's also important that you're being spiritual. That you're focusing on the spiritual things and you're talking on and focusing on the practical things. You know, so, so my title of my message today is Fathers Who Are Fearless. Now, I know some of you this morning say, hold on, fearless, that's the, what, what do you mean by fearless? Because if we're really honest as fathers, there are moments in our life where we are literally fearful. But we just don't want anybody to know it. You're like, you just... I'm all right, you know, just tough, and we, we, we play it off, and it looked like we have our composure, and we look like we're okay, but deep down, you know, it's like, have, you, have any of you ever got on a, on a high dive and tried to jump off and actually started thinking about it instead of just jumping off? When you get older, you'll realize that. When you're young, you just jump, you don't think about it, but you get to the end, and then fear starts setting in. Well, well fear will paralyze you from becoming and doing all that God has called you to be. I remember I went to Africa multiple times, and when I was young, there was this huge rock, and you would jump, jump off, but it wasn't just like where it was safe. The rock kind of leaned out. So you, didn't, you couldn't just jump off. You kind of had to run, and you had to kind of jump out and over into the water. Well, I remember when I was young, I didn't use my brain as much as I do now. Good thing, bad thing, wisdom, whatever you want to call it, right? So the older I got, the more I started thinking about how dangerous that was. You know, man, what if I die? What if I hit my head? I'm in Africa, and I began to be paralyzed by fear. And when you are paralyzed by fear, you freeze up. Have you, has anybody ever been, like, experienced this worse? Like, and then it makes it worse, and it makes it worse, and you think maybe it's going to get better, and it doesn't get better. But sometimes the only thing to do is what? Jump. We'll put you up on that rock, see if it's that easy. You know, it's easy, and it's easy for you to tell somebody else, just jump, what are you doing? Why, why are you being a scaredy cat? Somebody who is feared with fear is isolated. They cannot function by God's design of what he's called them to. But if we have fearless men in the church, established by God, who are spiritually leading their families in a fearless manner we will see the optimum potential for what God has established for the father in the homes. So let me define the, 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 the word fearless. What does it mean? Okay, so some synonyms for it, for fearless, is bold, brave, courageous, dauntless, gutsy, heroic, and valiant. Now when you say some of those words, oh yeah, I can be fearless now. Because we think fear is just one facet, but it's being bold, it's being courageous. It's making the hard decision when, we, when nobody else will. And that's scary sometimes. But God is calling us to be brave, to be bold, to be courageous, be fathers who are fearless. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. So the moment we're driven by fear, we need to step back in and evaluate, fathers, what are we being driven by? Now, there are natural pressures in life to provide for families. But we have to understand that ultimately God is in control. Now, does it take willingness?
Am I back? All right. It's like NASCAR. It's a good thing we had a spare battery. And like, well, remember that one time battery died and we didn't have another battery. All right, what the heck was I saying? Spirit of fear? I was talking about. Get back to it. All right. But we look at that, you know, a spirit of fear versus a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. I really believe that if man, if we will be, uh, understand that we have the Lord's spirit, the spirit of power within us, you know, that we have love and self-discipline, I think all of those variables are the keys to success. But if we live in a spirit of fear, it isolates. If we live in the, in the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, we will thrive. Women, I'm sorry this morning. It's going to feel really lopsided for you. But these scriptures apply both. I'm just going to really highlight the Father's perspective. But I believe for all of us, we can be isolated by fear. Okay? Because fear sometimes also comes in different shades, different ways, right? You know, fear can be, you know, can be driven by an insecurity, can be driven by a past failure, can be driven by all of these things that we're so, you know, that we've lived life through. Well, I've been hurt in the past. You know, I was talking about, you know, having trust issues. You know, if, we, if we've been through multiple broken relationships or, you know, even maybe a relationship with our biological parents has been broken, sometimes it's hard to trust God because my only example of trust has been broken. So that, guys, that's why it's so important for you to model Christ for your children. So what does that mean? Do you always let them get away with it and you don't always spank them? No, there's times you use the rod. But I think there's other times that you offer grace, that you offer love, that you, that you instruct, that you, that, you, that you teach. Okay? I believe that the commission that God gave to Joshua in the Scripture you know, is a commission that He's given each man and father. So we're going to look at that this morning because, you know, you've been built to lead your families and, and God is really depending on you to do your job. Let's look at Joshua 1, 6 through 9. Joshua 1, 6 through 9. And most of you probably have heard this passage, but when I read this, you know, I self-apply this. I'm like, Lord, this is what I need for my life. This is what I need in my life. But starting in verse 6, it says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your forefathers to give them. Verse 7, Be strong and courageous. Do not Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn uh, from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful in whatever you do. It says, Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So just like Joshua was commissioned to lead the people of God, fathers, you are commissioned to lead your family. You have to allow God into that equation to help you. Because deep down, I think there's some things that scare the mess out of us where we really are fearful. We say, Lord, I don't know what to do with that. I've never fathered before. You know, I feel like the more kids you have, the more you figure it out. And you almost wish you knew now what you knew the first one. I know I put a lot more stress in raising Samuel than I have grace. You know, you choose to fight your battles where you don't have to every single time freak out. You know, we were laughing yesterday. Sorry I used some of you guys in my illustrations, but that's what you get because it's real things. You know, we were, we were standing around and Trey and Amy show up. And uh, we're sitting there talking and... 
they set baby Jude right there next to us and they take off. Now, would that have happened with Layla? Heck no. And so, so then every, everybody leaves and I'm the only one next to the, to the, the car seat. And I'm like, well, I can't leave because I feel like I'm in charge now. So I pick up the baby and I walk it over here to Laura and say, hey, here's the baby. If the baby cries, call Trey or Amy. And then I was free of the baby. But we see a tolerance of change in our lives as we, as we get, either we get older or we get more lax or we figure out how to win as parents. Something, they'd be like, he's sleeping, ain't no harm, no foul. He ain't going to die. Let him be. You know, I, I, we just see that that tolerance changes from the first child to the next. And, you know, but I believe that there, there are certain things that really we just don't know, but we see that we get smarter the more exposure we have to parenting. Now, sometimes we can rely on somebody else's wisdom and knowledge than our own because I, that's why I believe it requires a church to raise kids. Because I might want to kill my kid and you speak some hope to me and say, oh, it's going to be all right. No, you don't understand. No, I understand. It's going to be all right. Oh, you said, like, yeah, what you talking about? I got gray hair to prove it, right? But, but we learn how to do this in, in a way. So, but there are unknowns to this. You know, we don't know what we're doing, but we can't let our kids know that. You, know, you think about it, it's like, because I said so. That's the, op- that's the ultimate cop-out statement. Because I said so. I don't know why, but because I said so, that's the way it's going to be. Now, I hope we get smarter and we start learning the reason for which we're instructing. Why does obedience matter? Well, son, let me show you what the Scripture says. It says, honor your mother and father so that it may go well with you and that you may have long life. Because God said so. That's almost just like because daddy said so. Because God said so. So we need to make sure that we are formulating you know, a, a progressive pattern that continually mimics and models the Word of God for our children. You know, I, I remember my parents, you know, like spanking or discipline or whatever. Well, the Lord said, oh, I just, you know, like it, it was, you know, but it, I didn't understand it in the word. I didn't know that the, the rod w- would help me. That that discipline, that that rod of correction would lead me on a path to righteousness. So fathers, don't, sp- don't forget to, don't spare the rod, but use it correctly. Because we're in a culture in, in today where, you know, you use the rod even correctly and people may accuse you of using the rod incorrectly. So someone say, well, I don't, want, I, don't care what, I don't want people to think whatever. So you don't do anything. But that's, that's reducing God's standard for the sake of what culture's perspective is. Well, my children are my responsibility. So refusing to do that or, or you know, settling for what culture, well, so-and-so doesn't get spankings or whatever, you know, whatever the kid, tough rocks, you're my kid. And make sure you do what you got to do. Be disciplined. Be diligent. One of the biggest things I have strived to do as a father is put the same effort in Grace. She's my youngest daughter, as I did in Samuel. Now, Grace is four. Samuel is nine. So are there times I feel lazy and I'm sitting there and I just don't want to deal with it? And I'm like, man, she is just being sassy and needs some correction. And then what do I do sometimes as a father? I'm just being real and honest. Becky, deal with your daughter. Any fathers ever done that? Ball game's on. I'm in the middle of doing something important. What are you doing? Propping my feet up. I don't know. Whatever I'm doing, it seems like it's more important at the moment. So fathers, we can't be passive and allow just our wives to raise our children. I'm guilty of that to some degree. If I look at the, the discipline and the structure in my family unit, my wife is excelling better than I am. Well, pastor, you're a pastor of the church. Still failing in the home. 
leading the church, but I'm failing in my family. So we have to put the same focus as we do in other areas as we do in our family. How many of you guys work harder at your jobs than you do with your families? Well, they pay me. <laughs> really? So that's, that's your answer. <laughs> you want to you try it that again? You think that's a good answer? Well, they pay me. Oh, you had kids, buddy. <laughs> that was your choice too, right? You know, so we have to understand that God gives us children, but He also gives us the grace to endure to the end in training and equipping and all of those things. So fathers, be bold and courageous. He says He'll be with you. He says meditate on the Word. Look at it day and night. Let it be your guide. You don't know what to do. Look in Scripture. And you'll, be, you'll be, begin to model a biblical pattern that I think our children so desperately need. 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says, Now, I want you to realize that, it, at, that the head of every man is Christ, and that the head of every woman is man, and, and the head of Christ is God. So if we look at this Scripture, there's a lot to it, right? I mean, I, can t- I could probably just preach on that. But what this Scripture is talking about, there is a hierarchy that God has established. You know, if we go back to the Garden of Eden, it says, you know, when the curse happened, it says that the woman would desire to be over the man. But God, at at that moment, He orchestrated and He said, but the man will rule over the woman. And the woman is to serve the husband. Every man's like, yeah, I like this. Where are you going with this, Pastor Noe? But with that responsibility of leading also requires accountability. Because the outcome of the wife and the outcome of the children is pivotal on you. You're like, hey, I like this leading stuff. Well, man up. If you want to lead, lead. But so many of us are comfortable allowing our wives to really take that leadership role in the family. You know, do you discipline your kids? Do you spank your kids? Do you do it? I don't need it. Um, Do you need, or do you just let your, you know, I, I know in my home, my mom did a lot of the disciplining. Sorry, Mom, if you're going to watch this or whatever. But uh, that was just the model. So my dad was working a lot, you know, which he was trying to provide. He was doing all these things. But it was just like, now, if Dad disciplined me, it was bad. Like, that's what I remember. It was like, oh, wait till your dad gets home. And then, like, it was like the, that I did, if that happened, life's over, man. That's what I remember. Like, that was the most scary moment, you know. But, you know, can we be more involved all of the time rather than just when you hit the, the eight or nine, ten level offense. Can we be involved in the disciplinary action on a regular basis? Because I'll tell you what, there is a difference when I correct my children versus when my wife corrects the children. I don't know if it's that male, man figure or what it is, but I mean, I guess it's part of that nature of dad doesn't play. You know, and sometimes it is correcting them in their response towards my wife. Hey, you don't treat my wife like that. They look at me like, your wife, we talking about my mom. It's so, it's so mind-boggling to kids. Like, yeah, that was my wife before y'all showed up. But it's, but it's correcting, being involved, guys. Don't be scared to try. God is calling you to be men who are fearless. So fathers, you got to realize that you're the heads of your home. It's not just covering your wife, but it's covering your children's also. Men, you have to be the ones who set your home in order. If there's slack, if there's lack of discipline, if your kids are lazy and being on the couch, hey, do something about it. You pay the bill, you keep the TV in the house, you tolerate it. Now someone's like, well, but they'll get mad. <laughs> Not there to be their friend, you're there to be their parent. And I know, and all these kids, young kids are looking in their head. <laughs> We're talking about that, Pastor. Every, every young adult in this room 
your parents do know more than you. Because one day you're going to be in that same spot telling your kids the same thing and you'll understand. You never understand that until you become the parent. You're like, oh, it makes sense now. So get your home in order. I want to look at a few uh, statistics. Uh, Man, and some of these were really, really startling as I looked at them. So the first one, it says, When a mother comes to Christ, her family will join her at church only 17% of the time. But when the father comes to Christ, his family joins him 93% of the time. Oh, man, those, that's, that's not even balanced. That's like complete, complete, a whole different perspective. So the father's role in the Christian household matters more than you know, fathers. Next one, on any given Sunday, there are 13 million more adult women than men in the American churches. 13 million. They're beating, beating us just by a little bit, right? Now, there's, there's a lot more women-to-men ratio in the U.S. too, but those numbers are still pretty staggering. Cut that number in half. I don't care what you cut it in thirds. They'd still be millions over the men, okay? Over 70% of the boys who are raised in church will abandon it during their teens and 20s. Many of these boys will never return. So what are we doing that we're not modeling? Where's the broken part in the system that is causing boys to remove themselves from the equation? Perhaps sometimes it's the passivity of the father not modeling what a father should really look like. And if those fathers are modeling an example that church is not a priority, you think it'll be a priority to your children? But I'll tell you what, everybody that has kids, saved, not saved, righteous, not righteous, Oh, I got to get to church now. I got kids. <laughs> I got to get my kids in church. It's like, well, what do you do at home? Well, I don't know, but I'm going to bring them to church so we can fix them. You know, you know it's just it's, the, the, the equation changes when kids get in, in the persp- get in the picture, right? But I believe that if we model fathers and mothers, because we're together in this, right? If we model that, that balance of church is a priority, church is what we do and church is where we go, but then they learn to have that relationship with God themselves. I don't believe they'll leave. But if it's just based on the model they see, perhaps that could be leaning towards it to some degree. I'm not saying that's always the reason, right? And fathers, don't, don't feel like I'm beating you up. I'm challenging you this morning. And all of you are here this morning. So, I mean, you know, you can't say like, well, I never go to church. Pastor, you know, I'm here this morning, right? Let's look at one more statistic. This one's pretty startling, too. It says, more than 90% of American men believe in God, and five out of six call themselves Christians, but only two out of six attend church on any given Sunday. We make priorities for those things that we value and we see as important. And this last one, it says, the average man accepts the reality of Jesus Christ, but fails to see any value in going to church. You know, so one of two things. We either don't see the value in going to church or the church is not functioning by God's given design. Because that would be the only reason I wouldn't go. If it wasn't helping me, if it wasn't promoting biblical truth, if it wasn't teaching me principles from the Bible, maybe I wouldn't go. 
So listen, as a pastor of this church, I will make sure we are preaching from the Word, that it is biblical, that it is on point, and that it challenges you. But fathers, you've got to make yourself available and bring your families to church. You set the tone, you set the pace. So don't allow the enemy to minimize your role as a father, husband, or spiritual leader of your home. He's going to tell you you don't have what it takes. He's going to tell you you're not, you're not adequate, you can't do it, you are going to fail. So you have to understand, guys, that he anoints those he calls. So if he has gifted you with a child, either biologically or spiritually, God gives you the ability to raise those children well. He anoints you for that. So that word, that word anoint also means he equips you for the job. You know, so you know, how, how much priority do we really put towards fathering? It's hard work, guys. I promise. You know, like to me, it's just like, man, if I could just father, I feel like I could do really, really well. But I'm working. I'm working overtime. I'm working all these hours trying to provide for a family. And I'm being asked to father also. I think those are the, the choices we should make before we have children. You know, we want it. But then let's say we don't have children. What happens when God sends us a spiritual child? It's the same responsibility. You know, I see some that invest just as much. It doesn't matter that you're not blood, but you've been positioned under me. And I think we all have the opportunity to father. Fathers, I really believe that you, you have more inside you than you know of. So do you, how much of a priority do you put in fathering? Do you put as much effort in raising your children as you do earning a paycheck? Pause there just for a minute. Over time, oh, let's go, more money. Hey, extra ball game, hey, take my kid fishing, oh, oh, man, that's too much. What are we doing? Where are we putting the effort? Money's just money. Now, some of you say, well, I don't have enough. Well, usually making money isn't the issue, it's how you're spending all the money you are making. That's a whole other sermon. Budgeting, making sure you're smart with your money, you know, like so... I think we need to learn to live within our means so that we can have more family time. Don't, don't have that keeping up with the Joneses mentality of where you just are always chasing after. Now, I just got a new truck, and I love it. I keep finding new stuff all the time. Even move, the pedals move. Just for people with real little legs, I don't know. I've never had the problem reaching my pedals, but it'll move it forward or move it back. You know, like all these, you know, you can chase after all the next new little fancy things. And it'll indebt you to the point where you can never turn away overtime. Because now you've got to pay the bills. So count the cost. I'll stop on there because I can keep on going with that. So fathers, I want you to say this after me. I have what it takes to be a great father. Now I want you to read that for just a minute. I want you to think about that. Because some of you today, maybe you don't believe that. You say, man, my father wasn't real good. I don't, I don't really know what to do. I'm just doing the best I can. But I believe that God sings this over you, and he speaks this over you today. So let's say it one more time. I have what it takes to be a great father. And then point at yourself. Okay? You might be saying it to your left, saying it to your right, but man, God really wants you to know that you have that within you today. Ephesians 6, 4, but 1 through 4, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And then it 
speaks directly to fathers. In verse 4, it says, And fathers, do not exasperate uh, your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So that word exasperate means to irritate or frustrate intensely. I do that with my son sometimes. It's, you know, like, and, and you know, I got to be mindful that too much of that can destroy him. A little bit in that, you know, that's, that's just what guys, that's what boys do. I mean, that's just part of it, right? But too much of that can be destructive. It says excessive frustration, intense frustration or irritation. How many of you uh, fathers pick on your kids? Everybody knows what that looks like for you and you know what that means. What I'm talking about is over the top. When they're angry and the switch has been flipped and they go into that Hulk rage... Don't keep pushing the button. You're like, I'm going to see how crazy this kid will get. Don't do that. That's what it's talking about. Right? But it says, instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. So training, what is training? What does training look like? Training is showing them practically what to do. It's modeling it in the home. It's showing them to be disciplined. And it's, but it's not just practical things. It needs to be spiritual things. So we, we were training. What is instructing? So instructing is actually reading them or exposing them to the Word. This is the biblical instruction. Yeah, I mean, it's great to read self-help books and all of these things and give, you know, how to build people skills, how to be friendly. But if you are not reading this book to them on a regular basis and they do not know the Word of God, you're failing them. You're like, well, is there really good stuff in there for life? Absolutely. Read through the Proverbs. You read one chapter and you'll be like, whoa. Solomon really was a wise guy. And then you have to read it again. He said, man, this is some good stuff. It's practical things for life. So we want to train them, but we also want to instruct them. I'm going to give you uh, today three traits of fathers who are fearless. So number one, they trust in the Lord and they're fully submitted to Him. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit or acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. So those who are fearless, they trust in the Lord, and they're fully submitted. Now, I know people who are partially submitted. There's a tolerance. Say, God, ah, you know, you know, but that's too much, Lord. You ever done that? It's like you, may, you, you separate it. You're like, okay, this is mine. This is yours. Fully submitted where everything we are, everything we have to offer is God's. Because if we, if we contribute too much, guess what? We're going to mess it up. God needs us yielding all of ourselves to Him, submitting all of ourselves to Him. So one of the biggest things that we can learn as a father sooner rather than later is to know that we don't always know or how to do everything on every occasion. There's going to be things we just don't know what to do, and we're going to have to seek the Lord. We're going to have to seek counsel. We're going to have to get help. But trusting in the Lord and submitting to Him ensures our success. He'll either show us the Scripture or He'll send you to talk to somebody. But we can be prideful and arrogant and try to figure it out on our own, and it could cost us dearly. So just as a wife is submitted to the husband, we as fathers have to realize that we are directly submitted to God as head of our households. You know, so some of us, you know, we, we ask our wives or we, you know, secretly, maybe we don't ask them, we don't say it, but we hope that our wives submit to us as fathers and as husbands, right? I ain't going to say nothing, right? We hope that that, you know, like that our wives would be submitted, submissive and, and 
But at the same time, are, is our attitude the same towards God as we expect of our spouses? Ooh, you're like, man, I don't want to think about that. Well, you should be doing this. Well, God's saying, hey, well, you should be doing Set the same standard. So you got two options. You can be submitted or you can be stubborn. Just calling it like it is. Every man has some stubbornness in his DNA. To some degree. Oh, I know, what's, I know what to do. I can handle it. I remember one time I was at the beach and we were back behind the sand dunes. and Four-wheel drive is good, but you can still get stuck, right? Four-wheel drive just means you will get stuck further than everybody else. Doesn't mean that you can't get stuck. I remember a long time ago, I got to the point of where I got so stuck I had to call for help. That didn't matter what I tried, man. I was finding boards, all kinds of stuff, tearing up my tires. Trying, I was stuck. I couldn't do it. Stubbornness would have what? I'd have kept trying. would have tore my truck up, never, never wanting to call for help. But I got put in a configuration. I had to call for help. My buddy said, hey, well, where are you at? Oh, cool, man. He came out there, you know, pulled me out. No, no big deal. But I had to drop my pride and say, hey, I need help. Do you ever hear those words come out of your mouth? And I need help. Most men are like, you'll never hear me say that. I don't need help. I can handle it. But I believe as Christian men, as Christian fathers, that has to be something we regularly say. God, I need help. Or, hey, man, I'm working through something. Can you help me? Relationally, amongst men, amongst other fathers. Okay? So we can be submitted. We can be stubborn. You know, a father has to humble himself under the hand of God. Right? So we've got to ask for guidance and grace from God also. We have to understand that God is the perfect father. You know, he will show us and he'll give us strategies. He'll give us skills that we don't, we don't know anything about. I remember the first time God told me, don't spank my child and teach him grace and forgiveness. That's different because, man, I'm like, dance, you know, like I'm ready to whoop him. And God says, no. And, and what, he to, what he told me, he says, do I always scold and discipline you with the rod? I said, well, Lord, no. He says, why are you modeling that to your children? He says, at this point, receive mercy and grace. Let them know that they deserve it but you're not going to give them what they deserve. Oh, that'll preach. Because the same standard that I set as a father in my home, I want that to mirror the same reflection of who God is in our life. Is there, God, is there times that God will, will put the rod on our backside? Absolutely. Is there times that He forgives us and He gives us grace when we don't deserve it? Every day of our lives. Understand that? So I think it's mirroring that reflection of who God is for our children. So number two... Fathers who are fearless, they're quick to repent and reconcile. How many of you are, are those guys that would, would hold a grudge to the grave? I ain't going to forgive him. He's going to say sorry first. You know, if we stay looking like the world or our sinful ways, we'll stay like that. Man, when I was young, I had anger issues. And I get mad every now and then, but not like I used to. I mean, stupid anger, not just like angry, but like breaking things and just like it was just out of control anger, right? You know, but I go back and I remember, you know, it's like that outer body. You can remember, and, but you look at it and it's like, I cannot believe I used to be like that. But that anger would allow me to not say, oh, I'm not going to apologize. And, I, you know, I would remove the equation of allowing people to be forgiven because of my anger. 
right? But, you know, is, how is my response? You know, how do you know, are you, are you quick to say, I'm sorry? Or you said, I ain't saying that. You're going to say it first. Because I think deep down, if we really think about it, maybe so, let's say you were really, really offended. It was even justifiable for you to be offended. Will you try to reconcile? Or are you going to retaliate? What is your response? What we have to understand, fathers, is our children are watching our response. You understand that? Tell your sister sorry. Well, you didn't tell mom sorry yesterday when y'all were fighting. Do what you want and you walk away. Like, what are you supposed to do? You're modeling the wrong example. You have to mirror and live the same lifestyle that you're preaching to your children. Or it's of no value. And that's hard, that's hard for a man. I don't like to eat crow and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like you mumble. You don't even want to say it. It's pride, arrogance, ignorance, like all of these things that are woven into our DNA. Now, there's some great traits in that because we're strong. We can build. We can work all day. But I think our character and our integrity and our lifestyle matters. You know, failure... Guys, it's just part of the process of growth. So, you know, if you're failing, you know that you're growing and you're moving forward because you're getting out of your comfort zone. You could stay so safe, you hardly ever fail. I know people who do that for a lifetime. Oh, I mean, I don't want to try that. It might be too hard. I might fail. But you may never become all that God has called you to be. So if you're failing, doesn't mean that you're failing as a father. It just means you're actually getting out of your comfort zone and trying to be a proactive father rather than passive. Passivity will kill the father figure for your family. Yeah, let's go on. Go tell your mom about it. I'm too busy. I mean, there's many times. I mean, I used to work shift work. And I remember coming home and I was so tired. My kids were out. I was like, get away. Like, I mean, I just need, I need a moment, right? You know, and I don't think that that was always the best response. I needed to allow my children to come to me and hug me. They missed me. I think even as a father, being so mindful that that's not going to last forever. Come in, Dad's home, everybody's excited. And be like, oh, Dad's home. <laughs> you know, I know it's going to shift where they don't care as much. And my time of influence is so limited and short. Some of you say, well, what do I do, Pastor Noe? My kids are almost grown. Well, you still have kids usually. But God is going to put position spiritual sons and spiritual daughters in your life. And you're still going to apply the skills that you acquired in raising your own kids. Or you're going to help somebody else that is clueless and don't know what they're doing. Because young fathers need help. So we don't always know what to do. Be quick to mend relationships with your children also. I think sometimes we can get mad, we can get, get frustrated, we can discipline our kids. And, and it breaks that relationship rather than builds that relationship. So we have to understand that, you know, man, we're going to bust them. We're going to, you know, implement discipline. But we don't want to stay at that place for a long period of time. If you've implemented discipline or grounded or whatever, hey, go back to the conversation and talk about it more. Just don't let it ride forever. Because ultimately, I think, you know, the, the children are striving to understand also. They're working through this trying to figure out, like, okay, what is the why and what? And, you know, we don't all, you know, I know as children, sometimes we don't always see the whole picture. But explain to them why you're doing what you're doing. And not just why it matters to you, but why it matters to God. So being quick to repent and reconcile. I know some of us may need to forgive our fathers or people in our lives from the past hurts 
because it's affecting how you father today. Now, that's, that's a deep statement because, you know, you can say, well, I didn't have a father, so I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. Come on, don't do that. Like, I mean, that's not, a good, that's not a good solution. Or you've been hurt or you've had things in the past that are affecting where, well, I was never, I, I, I'm not, I don't have close relationships. Not even with your kids? You've got to change that. Like, I mean, that, that's not okay for a father and his children. A father or a husband and a wife. That's not okay to be guarded. And off. You need to be one. That family unit should be functioning as a unit. Not like, hey, here's my circle. There's your circle over there. But sometimes it's things in our life, guys, that we have not dealt with as fathers and parents that are affecting how we parent today. So I'm just going to let God show you that if there's something in your life. Because, I mean, that's really real truth. It can be affecting you and you don't even know anything about it. Number three. They're men who go against the flow. So today, the world is getting crazy. As you know, 2020 has been a whirlwind of chaos. If you think everything's hunky-dory and everything's good, then you don't have your eyes. It is. It's bonkers. I mean, it, it's, it's the craziest I've ever seen it in my life that I know of. You know, and a lot of people I talk to that are older say, I've never seen it like this. I've never seen them shut the whole world down. And, you know, it's, it's just so crazy. And then the violence and, you know, and just all, all, of the, all of the things that are going on. The racism, all of the, you know, just all of these things that the enemy is striving to destroy. So we have an opportunity to say, well, that's right, you know, and just roll with the flow. Or we can stop, you know, even, even when you stop, there's still the current pushing you. Because we have to understand the flow of culture is always pushing one direction. So if you just kind of stand there, I don't know if you've ever been at the beach where the, you know, the undertow or it's pushing real hard where it almost is pushing you over. The best way to be proactive in an approach of a down flow that's really strong is to walk against it. Because if you just remain passive, it's going to push you with it. You almost have to turn against the flow and begin to move forward into it. So, so men who, fathers who are fearless, they are men who go against the flow. Just don't strive to be like every other father. Strive to be the best father you can be. Don't say, well, my dad never... Don't make excuses. Don't compare, you know, to say, well, I'm doing more than so-and-so. What has God called you to do? What, what standard has God set for you in your home? Allow God to establish that standard and be all that God has called you to be. You know, don't let excuses define what you can be. I didn't have a Christian father growing up, or I've never done this before, or it's my wife's job to raise the kids. Don't let an excuse rob you from being influential in your families. Be proactive as a father, not passive as a father. When you're home, strive to be home. And I know that's hard because as fathers and men, we like to what I call ice the brain. What are you thinking about? Nothing. What do you want to do? Nothing. I mean, just veg, you know, and now there's no sports. It's just totally weird. It's just like now I don't have anything to even like. But I think as men, if we stay in that position and configuration too long, it can be destructive in our families. There's times to recover and rest and just kind of just go tinker in the shed or do, you know, whatever you like to do that really helps you decompress. But we can be so passive in our families that we're no good. We've got to continually remind ourselves that our, that our kiddos will only be there for a short time. You know, no, we have some graduates this year and it's just like, you know, Samuel's nine. Like that to me is just mind-boggling 
you know, and, and some of those that, that are, you of you that are raising kids in the home or have already raised them, even though they say, man, it's so fast. I think in amongst it, we feel like, man, this is forever. You know, I know, Dre and Amy with your little one, under a year, whew, grace to you. That's one thing keeping Becky and I from having any more. Like, man, we've passed that. No pampers, I get to sleep. They can kind of take care of themselves. I'll put Samuel in charge, he'll run the house. I'm <laughs> a good place in my life. Uh, you know, but I, guys, I just think that our, our time of influence is so short. Fathers, and, and I really believe that your position is so critical on the outcome of all of it. It's critical. Look at those statistics. You know, are you, are you, the, are you being the forerunner in your home when the family doesn't feel like going to church? Are you saying, family, we're going to go to church? You can go willingly or I'm going to make you. I am going to tell this story. I was thinking if I should tell it or not because it's not my story, but it's my wife's story. My father-in-law, remember, you know, when they were young, they told me the story about, you know, he says, hey, y'all get up. It's time for church. Totally ignored him. Lights off, whatever. I think he came back a second time. Hey, I said, get up. The next time he came, belts blazing. He says, I remember that time that we didn't want to do it, and Dad made us. Are our kids going to be imprinted with those moments in our life where we made them do something in a pursuit of being Christ-like, in a pursuit of doing what the Bible's expectation or standard is? Or do we see dad as a pushover or somebody? Because, I mean, I, I think some of those things, it's, it's, hard, it's a hard balance, you know, because, like, I think, I think a home in order is a beautiful thing. You know, when it's backwards and, you know, I, I call it the, the household crazy cycle because, like, what happens is, you know, you have the husband who's not leading like he's supposed to, so then the woman's overcompensating and trying to cover the role of the, of the mother, but also the father. Then the father gets mad because now you're doing my job and you're making me look like I'm not a good father. And it's just like, oh, man, what's going on? What is it going to take to break that? Fathers, you got to be bold. you got to be courageous. And you got to do the job that God has commissioned and called you to do. That's how you fix that. And it's going to be a little bit awkward, especially if your wife has been doing it for a long time because she's going to kind of want to do something, but you're doing it. But maybe we've allowed that for a long time or we've just set it up that way because I know we say, hey, well, I'll provide the, the I'll get the paycheck. You discipline the kids. You run the household. Like there's, there's unspoken duties that you just split up in a household. You realize that, right? Yes, no? Just by default, well, hey, I go work. I make the paycheck. But do we use that as an excuse to say, but oh, but you raise the kids? Because I think God wants to shift that. So fathers, I want to commission you and want you to know that you have what it takes. God chose you specifically to father your children. Will you guide how you father them and will you father them well? Understand that you are anointed to do what God has called you to do and to be successful. Amen? You guys stand up with us. We'll get out of here. Dads, today we celebrate you. And, and like I said, I am one, so I know it's just another day. We don't need the honoring. We don't need the, hey, it's our day. But today I want you to reflect, what are you doing really well? Because for that I commend you. 
But today I also challenge you to say, where are areas where you can improve? Now, some of you, it may take, you need to, you need to talk with your wife. You need to have a sit down. You need to say, hey, like, I don't know what to do. You know, how can we do this better? And like, you know, finding that balance of what would really cultivate that godly balance of what the household should look like. Because moms, most moms have never mommed either. We're just all confused. And then we get the end, we say, well, they're alive. Guess we did okay. But I, I, I'm believing that God wants to instill specific things in the lives of our children that will hold them for a lifetime. Amen? So I'm going to pray over you that as a household, man, you would step it up, that you'd be all that God has called you to be, and that you would lead. You man willing to commit to that? Well, you willing to commit to that? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Father, that your grace is sufficient in every area of our life. And Father, I really believe that you, you when you look at us, you see our God-given potential. And Lord, you tell us we can make it, we can do it, we're going to be okay. So Lord, I just ask that on this Father's Day, we would rest, we would recover, but tomorrow... We would, ready, we would be ready to lead our homes in a way that honors you. Father, that we would be the best fathers possible and that we would each know that we have what it takes. Father, help us in our areas where we need help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.